Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's up there? This is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his bro, Will Brueggemann. Thanks a lot for joining us this week. Today we have a very interesting topic. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite composers. Both Carl and I think he's one of the greats when it comes to video game music. Absolutely. This is Naoshi Mitsuda. Definitely, if you're a fan of the podcast, you've heard a lot of his music um, over the course of the many seasons of this podcast, and you definitely know how we feel about his music, and we're very excited to dedicate an entire episode to spotlight on the music of Naoshi Mitsuda, because it's definitely warranted, Absolutely. I mean, even this soundtrack, Rockman and Forte Alone, is just so influential to us, and it's just something that we both really respond to. Absolutely. So what you're hearing here is the opening stage of Rockman and Forte for the Super Famicom, and this was, this was as well as every single track we're going to play today, composed by Naoshi Mitsuda. So this should be a really interesting time. We love these composer spotlights. Last week we did have... Uh, sort of a composer spotlight we had it on the fallen brothers so that was two composers um before that we had uh yoko shimamura might have been the last one which was such a great episode one of our favorite episodes um that we've done for this show so this is going to be another great one and in many ways um naoshi mitsuda in some ways feels like he may have followed in the footsteps of yoko shimamura um maybe not consciously but here's another composer that started off with capcom did some classic stuff, uh, including some Street Fighter games, and then eventually moved on to Square Enix, uh, right. similar to Yoko Shimomura. So we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, Naoshi Mitsuda. One reason we love him so much is he has a very distinct compositional style. Some of the chords that he chooses to use, whether or not he's he's doing jazz music, even if he's doing orchestral classical music, you'll still hear a lot of um, similar compositional techniques throughout all of his work, and it's really fun to hear that. He just really has a high level of taste. A lot of his music is very tasteful. Um, sometimes it's not going to hit you in the face with something incredibly catchy, but it's always, it's always going to do the job well of scoring video game music. Uh, well, and he does have that ability. I think this one definitely is incredibly catchy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And some of the these jazz chord changes are both really authentic, but also just way more um, interesting mm-hmm. and attention-catching than I think a lot of traditional jazz music is. It's like this is sort of like a not necessarily watered-down version, but it's a little bit more poppy and more video gamey. Well, yeah, one thing about Naoshi Mitsuda's music is it definitely goes in places and directions that you don't always expect, and it's not the norm as far as the chord changes and where the melodies go. It definitely goes to surprising places, and we're going to hear that a lot today. But yeah, definitely a master of jazz music. Uh, Naoshi Mitsuda's primary instrument is the bass guitar, so he's played that um, ever since he was most likely a teenager. And he first got a job at Capcom in 1995, and the very first game that he worked on was Street Fighter Alpha, which came out for the arcade as well as, I believe, the Sega Saturn and maybe some other systems like that. And he applied to Square Enix in 1998 while he was still working at Capcom. And the first game uh, he was assigned to for Square was Parasite Eve 2. And we're going to talk about both of those soundtracks. We're going to start things off with Street Fighter Alpha, the very first soundtrack that Naoshi Misuda worked on for Capcom. This came out in 1995. Now, Naoshi composed a few tracks for this game. There was a multitude of composers. He was kind of, in the early days of Capcom, kind of the go-to composer to compose a lot of the ending or the staff role themes. He was really good at that. So we're going to take a listen to one of those themes. This is Ken Ending from Street Fighter Alpha.
beautiful. This is Ken Ending from Street Fighter Alpha. This is the arcade version of the soundtrack, and this track was composed by, of course, Naoshi Mitsuda. Really nice way to start the episode off here. Very pretty song. Yeah, really cool. I think Naoshi Mitsuda is an interesting example of a classic video game composer who came a little bit late to the game. You know, 95 Mm -hmm. is uh, pretty late as far if we're talking about, you know, old school video game music. But what's interesting is the fact that one of his first soundtracks or his first soundtrack getting to work on Street Fighter Alpha for the arcade, I think in a way it's almost a step back when he had to go work on the Super Famicom and was limited Mm -hmm. to that type of sound hardware. So I think it's an interesting example of his first job is sort of like a taste of sort of limitlessness of being able to use general MIDI and whatever an arcade cabinet Mm -hmm. could do. And then having to go back to console hardware where he think someone like Yoko Shimomura um, really started off started on in the, the NES, early days. Yeah, absolutely. And was able to kind of make that evolution from the six, from the 8-bit to the 16-bit to the arcades and stuff. No, that's a very good point. It's interesting to think that this is three years prior to Rockman and Forte, you know, because that didn't come out until 1998. So that's, that's a very interesting point. But yeah, I thought this is a good showcase just to start things off. Uh, just if you're not familiar with the music of Naoshi Mitsuda, his very unique compositional style. So now we're going to move on to Street Street Fighter Alpha 2. Now, I believe in Japan, these Alpha games were called Street Fighter Zero, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm pretty sure these were the next games after Street Fighter 2, if I'm not mistaken. So this is Street Fighter Alpha 2. Once again, we're going to play the arcade soundtrack. And let's take a listen to Dan's stage. This was one of the main stage themes that Naoshi composed. Enjoy. piece of music there. This is Dan Stage from Street Fighter Alpha 2. A couple things that jumped out at me um, about this piece right away. Very catchy piece, first of all, but um, obviously the rhythms of that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun and those sharp those brass hits with a lot of wild vibrato, very 80s kind of a sound there. That's something that jumped out right, right away at me. And then this section here, very authentic jazz changes here. Yeah, interesting uh, synth sounds. Carl mentioned that sort of synth brass, but it's quite interesting because with uh, even like Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm used to hearing a little bit better of sounds, but I think it's interesting. They're going for almost like this purposeful synth brass sound instead of trying to emulate. Like, oh, I see what you're like saying. It's more synth based. Yeah, I think that's that is one thing about the sound of these alpha games is they're a little bit more synth based. But at the same time, you do have really nice sounding bass and drums, for example, way better than the previous Street Fighter games. I think this is an interesting um, compositional choice. Uh, for this track because it definitely doesn't remind me of a lot of uh, Street Fighter 2's music 
Yeah, the um, only thing it really reminded me of, at least in the A section, was a little bit of Blanca, maybe just as far as some of the ethnic things that it's evoking. But it is yeah, quite different. But it's, yeah, I mean, I, even like instrumentation ideas oh, I see. as far as like how Street Fighter 2 is just sort of this nice, unabashedly like intense 80s rock band And this sound. is a little bit more smooth jazz, isn't it? Yeah. It's definitely really signature of this era of Naoshi Mitsuda's music. It's really characteristic of a lot of the games that he worked on in this early era for Capcom. So for me, as a fan of this era, it's really fun to hear. But yeah, if I were to be a fan of the previous Street Fighter music, it's possible that I might not necessarily dig this all that much because it's very different. Right. A lot more of a jazz influence, a little bit less of a rock influence. And we heard that in the previous song, too. Uh, very, very soft, very kind of softy music here. Um, but we're, we're a big fan of it. So now we're going to move on to one of our favorite soundtracks of all time. This is Rock Man and Forte, an entry in the Mega Man series. This was only released in Japan, uh, so it came out for the Super Famicom, one of the final games, if not the final game, ever to be released for the Super Famicom. This came out in 1998. It's just crazy to think the N64 had been around for two years. You had already seen the release of Ocarina of Time. The PlayStation had been around for longer than that. So it's crazy to think that this game out came out when it did. But really, when you hear the quality of the samples and the intricacy of the composition, it's not surprising that it came out when it did. So we're going to play a track here that we've actually never played so far in the show, and it is another Neoshi Mitsuda composition. Kind of a nice, quirky little piece here. Let's take a listen to Dynamo Man Stage. Cool. This is Dynamo Man stage from Rockman and Forte, composed by Neo Shimitsuda. Very dissonant chords here, very, very closed intervals, lots of really close notes that you're hearing to create some of that tension. Of course, you have that classic, really resonant lead instrument that he uses also in the opening stage. And I really like that arpeggiated flute riff that you're hearing on the right channel. Very interesting rhythms. It almost kind of evokes a different meter on top of the 4-4. I think, cool one, stuff. I think one of the things that's so great about Rockman and Forte is despite what the harmonics and melody are doing, which in this case I feel like are a little bit different than um, some of the other tracks in this game, oh, that yeah. rhythm section is so consistent. It's really you holding know, the groove The down. style of that bass and the style of that drum part is very reminiscent of basically every other song in this entire soundtrack. Right. And I think that's a nice sort of glue to keep it all together. In addition, you have the same sound set, which is a very unique, jazzy, um, 
set of sounds that's very specific to this game, like a lot of those leads, it's, those sort of quasi-sax yeah. synth sounds. What's crazy is it's not full jazz, though. It's like jazz fusion because it's very synth-based, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Street Fighter Alpha is that it's not going for realistic instruments, is it? It's going for, I mean, other than the bass and drums, it's going for very synth-based music of the late 70s kind of jazz fusion uh, sounds here. And a little, some of it kind of gets cheesy. I, I wonder if there was maybe one person that was in charge more of the sequencing of the bass and drums or if that was something that each individual composer did on their songs and they just kind of had the dialogue and and really wanted to make it cohesive on the entire project it's something that i always wonder if if obviously we know the songs are individually composed but maybe if there was one person on the team that was in charge of maybe choosing the instruments right it's always a question that i always have with some of these chiptune soundtracks I think that's a really big part of it is choosing the instruments and maybe that would inform you to change a line if it doesn't fit uh, with a certain instrument. So we're going to play one more track from Rockman and Forte before we move on. This has always been one of my personal favorite tracks in the entire game. And once again, this was composed by Naoshi. Let's take a listen to Staff Roll. is awesome this is staff roll from rockman and forte so much to love about this piece so much that really resonates with me it's so obvious to me listening to this piece that naoshi is a bass player because his bass parts are so tasteful and and very humble there's so much space that's given there's so much um, room in the measure where the bass is not playing where it's just really confident use of these samples because it's it's really having a confidence that you know what I don't need to always cover up that drum sample I can let it just do its thing on its own and it's still gonna work and it really feels like a band yeah. as far as you know getting out of the way of some of the lead players you know yeah I think that's a good point I think it definitely creates like the sound of a performance it mm-hmm. definitely sounds like a specific bass player having a choice to do like a sparser bass part and it makes it sound like an authentic electric bass line as mm-hmm. opposed to a lot of times in video games it's just they treat it sort of like the left hand on a piano oftentimes a outlining chords and really sort of complicated things this bass 
part is its own part. It's very melodic. And how right. about that very introduction on the bass? Where it goes really high. It's right. obvious that he composed that bass part. You know. Well, I think another thing is uh, the confidence that you're talking about extends to all the instruments and just even musically like he's willing to sort of let the groove sink in Mm -hmm. and not sort of overstay his welcome as far Mm -hmm. as like having too many crazy chord changes and stuff it's a little bit um more sparse well it's a little bit more mellow that i'm always so affected i'm always so impressed by neosha mitsuda is he has just the right amount of modulation and transposing and chord changes but doesn't it always feel so natural like there's there's there are quite a lot of of chord changes in this piece um, some pretty interesting surprising chord changes but they always feel natural I always am able to accept them there's not any chords where it's like yeah. oh well that kind of sounded amateur yeah, I mean there's random. a lot of jazz theory behind mm-hmm. um, his songwriting and I know that he did study that in college Awesome. Well, now we're going to move away from Capcom. At this point, he had left. He had joined Square, and his very first assignment was the horror game Parasite Eve 2. And in another way, how he's kind of following Yoko Shimomura's footsteps, if you remember, Yoko did the first Parasite Eve game, and we've played some tracks from that on her episode as well as the horror games episode. Uh, we've yet to play a track from this sec- this sequel, and this game took Niyoshi Mitsuda about a year and a half to compose the music of this. He really took his time with this, and I think up to this point was probably a turning point for him as far as the number of tracks he had to compose for this game. Let's take a listen to a really pretty track called Gentle Rays. Pretty. This is Gentle Rays from the game Parasite Eve 2 for the PlayStation 1, composed by Naoshi Matsuda. This was the first game he worked on for Square. Uh, it's so cool, like I said before, you can still hear that it's the same composer despite the change in instrumentation, the change in technology, the change in genre, 
change in company, uh, you can really still tell that it's the same composer. He has this very unique melodic flair, and like I said before, there's still a lot of jazz influence on this track. There's also a little bit more of a J-pop influence um, on here, and I think that's kind of a tradition that you hear in a lot of games a lot of horror games for the PS1, you hear a lot of that um, pop right. influence. I know, like, for Silent Hill, that's really huge. Well, and I think it's sort of carrying the torch as far as the original Parasite mm. Eve right. uh, had those similar t- kinds of influences. So I think it's always important to remember that when going into a sequel, that oftentimes the composers are either asked by the developers or they take it upon themselves to sort of match the emotional level and even the genres that were influential to the soundtracks of the original series. And it would have been impossible for Naoshi to not have been familiar and inspired by Yoko Shimomura. The fact that she came from Capcom just like he did, moved over to Square just like he did, and now he's working on the successor to her soundtrack. Yeah, he's always like one step behind. (laughs) That's so interesting. I know she was quite a bit older than than he was, but no, one thing that's so cool about this piece is I really like, um, just kind of talking from a production standpoint, I really like the sound of that gated reverb with a lot of pre-delay that you hear on the cross stick of the snare that and you hear the reverb and then it cuts off right away it's something that's very 80s uh, there's definitely some tracks and there's one coming up later today that's really really a lot of fun where he really is paying homage to the 80s and some of the production elements that um, a lot of music from the 80s would incorporate and it's it's really evident that that was the era that really he grew up with as far as musically um, was the 80s. So you're going to hear a lot of that influence. Now, we forgot to mention it up front, um, but really what's nice about today is this really is in some ways a Final Fantasy Volume 2 episode because Naoshi Mitsuda really is now, in this day and age, one of the main Final Fantasy composers. So, you know, the rest of this episode, there's going to be tons of Final Fantasy music. So if you're a Final Fantasy fan, hopefully that will make you happy. We're going to move on to Final Fantasy 11. This is a soundtrack that he worked on with Nobuo Uematsu, as well as, I think, one or two other composers. Let's take a listen to one of the tracks he composed. This is called Battle in the Dungeon. Battle in the Dungeon, a nice homage to earlier retro video game music, really reminds me of a lot of earlier boss themes from the 16-bit generation. This is from Final Fantasy XI, and this was composed by Naoshi Matsuda. Now, Will, is there anything in particular about this piece that jumps out at you as far as how it relates to the world of Final Fantasy? 
Well, I guess I will say that uh, as far as this type of uh, exciting, rousing boss theme is concerned, mm -hmm. this is very similar to a lot of the type of music that Uematsu really sort of popularized way back in the 8-bit, 16-bit days. Yep. And it's continuing in that vein, in that spirit. Um, and again, I think this is a, this is a nice step for Naoshi Mitsuda because... I really don't hear a lot of his uh, signature compositional flares, mm -hmm. both in his melody and in his chord changes. I mean, obviously, he, like you mentioned before, he's a very tasteful guy, so he knows when to utilize his various influences. But it's just, this is so different than most of the soundtracks that he'd worked on before. prior, and yeah. it definitely feels very at home in the Final Fantasy series, which I think is a great accomplishment, and it just shows that he's not only a great musician, he's really able to be that good classic chameleon as far as when it comes to composing and for put different, on different series. Different hats. Yeah, and that is going to continue with his work for the Final Fantasy series. Very rarely will, will you get this glimmer of just kind of more old school classic Neoshi Mitsuda, if you will, as far as um, in the Final Fantasy series. So from here on out, you are going to hear a little bit of a change as far as some of the things that he's really reining in and trying to stay true to that series. But it, it, he can't help but be himself, so you are going to get these little glimpses into his his very unique style and that's why for my money i think he's one of my favorite final fantasy composers we're going to move on to a game called tetra master this came out i believe for the ps2 let's take a listen to a track called compendium Very nice. Definitely evoking music from an older era. This is Compendium from Tetramaster. Really nice honky-tonk piano there mixed with, what is that, an accordion, I believe you're hearing? Yeah. Interesting soundscape there. Very yeah. simple piece you know, of music. You know, I love it. I um, I have just an increasing amount of respect for Naoshi Mitsuda after listening to this track because it just goes to show that a lot of his musical influences are people that I admire tremendously. And mm -hmm. I feel he's really basing uh, this musical landscape for this piece in a lot of turn-of-the-century music and also a lot of sort of more fun European music. And you can tell by the fact that, um, yes, there's that honky-tonk piano but there is also that accordion and you have that bassoon and I think English horn mm. doing that sort of bouncy bass-ish part on the left-hand side and it's a uh, it's an eclectic use of instruments and I think it it They're prevents the <laughs> it from feeling too cliche what's cool is is those uh, woodwind instruments are doing the the left-hand ragtime feel doing dun, 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 dun. they're doing that right. but with woodwind instruments I think that also it helps it from feeling overly cliched because a lot of video game themes really um, 
are influenced by uh, ragtime, but this is it. It it's not just ragtime. There's there's a lot of uh, European uh, qualities to that melody, like a very old school sort of waltzy quality to that melody. It's very simple and happy, and something that you'd maybe get in some kind of I don't know, lullaby or something that was uh, maybe like a programmatic music, something maybe that would be more for like a younger audience. Definitely. Now we're going to move on to some of the expansion packs that Naoshi worked on for Final Fantasy XI. Now we've talked about these before. We played a couple tracks from these in our Final Fantasy episode back in our, was that, second season. Uh, and I really am a big fan of these expansions, and these were solely composed by Naoshi, so he didn't have any help from anyone else for these. And what's crazy is they kept on cranking out these expansions throughout the years. There's even one that just came out, like I want to say like last year, and the original Final Fantasy XI came out in like 2002 or three or something. So what's crazy is how they, obviously they've had more games in the Final Fantasy series, but for some reason they keep making expansions to that really old game. It's really crazy. It's obvious that this game must have had a really big fan base, and that's why they keep making these expansions. So we're going to play a track from an expansion called Final Fantasy XI Rise of the Zillart, and this is a track called The Sanctuary of Zeta. nice diverse mix of influences here this is the sanctuary of zeta from rise of the zillart an expansion to final fantasy 11 released in around 2003 i want to say composed by naoshi mitsuda you have a little bit of gaelic influence there with the flutes what they're doing in this section you also have some nice baroque some nice bach influence um, earlier but it's really cool to hear it with an acoustic guitar it's a really nice humble mix of influences you're hearing i feel like you also do get a little bit from uh traditional uh japanese music sure um and again it's very much like final fantasy to have such an eclectic 
set of instruments with those acoustic guitars, mm-hmm. that pan flute sound, like it's not an actual flute. So it's like mixing all these different sounds, real and fake from all different cultures and combining compositional styles is really something that I think Uematsu really strived to go for for Final Fantasy to make something that felt timeless, but you mm-hmm. couldn't necessarily point your finger at to what, what era it, was it sounded from, like. Yeah. Exactly. That's a very good point. And one thing that's so effective about these soundtracks uh, in that previous generation of the PS2 is that very, very big soundtracks. I would say most of them for a lot of the games featured fake instruments, digital instruments. But every now and then, um, such as this track, you would have that real performance. Like I believe there's some real guitar in this. Right. But I know that there are other tracks that have fake sampled acoustic guitar. So it's really nice that it just it doesn't quite let you get comfortable with the fake sounds. Every now and then it'll mix up and, and add some real instrumentation. Yeah, the melody is fantastic. It actually... Uh it reminds me, this is such a weird thing, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but it reminds me of the Bernard Herrmann score to the film Taxi Driver. Not in the instrumentation, because that film features like a um, saxophone melody, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a sort of like motive that that melody goes to, that this guitar mm-hmm. melody actually reminds me of that chord change there. It's just very surprising to me. It reminds me of that film. And also, uh, about the first 50 seconds of this track, I really really like it's Mm -hmm. much more sparse and you do get that flute sound and that actually reminds me of the legend of zelda twilight princess that's a very good point for me i also actually get a little bit of uh skyward sword um in there too but very very beautiful very romantic hauntingly almost sad tragic beauty there that's evoked in that piece we're going to now move on to final fantasy 11 chains of promathia an expansion pack uh, that came out, I believe, a year later. This is a really beautiful track called Happily Ever After. listening to Happily Ever After from Chains of Promathia, composed by Naoshi Masuda. Such a great rhythm 
to incorporate to repeat for this entire song that dun 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 dun. It's just a very simple rhythm. The fact that the strings are playing it um, harmonized and in chords. Very, I love very the inversion of that major ninth chord. Mm-hmm. So so pretty. Having that like two right in there with the strings. Mm-hmm. Also. Um, while the sample of, I guess, this flute uh, is, it's obviously sort of like a general MIDI sound, mm-hmm. um, but those strings are very nice, and you can hear sort of an authentic bow change sound for the mm-hmm. ya da da dun. You know, it it's doesn't good. sound like one note being played on a keyboard with mm-hmm. the same uniform attack, which I think is pretty impressive, especially just comparing to the other type of samples mm-hmm. used. The quality of those string samples are quite good. I know they're sort of staying sort of stagnant on like the same chord and then mm-hmm. it, it just switches between like two or three chords i yeah. believe but, but still that's almost more impressive what's great about a piece like this is very very slow tempo staying on a chord for a long time so whenever it does change chords man is it effective you're really waiting you're just yearning for that chord change so when it happens and if it happens with a slight twist that you're not expecting it's very very powerful stuff we're going to move on to a game for the ds called blood of bahamut let's take a listen to a track called rally under this flag listening to Rally Under This Flag from the DS game Blood of Bahamut, composed by Naoshi Mitsuda. Now, I'm not too too sure about this game. Uh, I, I know that it's a square game, but I don't really know anything else about it. I'm assuming it's an RPG. It has a pretty strong soundtrack. What's nice is this music definitely doesn't really feel that much like Final Fantasy. It feels like RPG music, doesn't it? It feels right. maybe a little bit more, I want to say, 16-bit era. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, it has like a Nintendo 64 quality to it <laughs> as far as like the sound of this soundtrack. Right. Like especially that sort of like brass and flute sound. It reminds me of the same exact uh, brass and flute samples that are uh, present on sort of the mm-hmm. Nintendo 64 general MIDI sounds. Yeah. Not a whole lot that I really have to say about this piece, but it's it's nice to include it in this, in this uh, playlist. I like how the sort of the timpani and the bass part sort of work nicely together. Yeah. The timpani feels very panned to the left, and the sort of pitz bass feels very panned to the right. One thing that's cool about the composition is that it's with an orchestral soundscape, but the composition of it really kind of feels a little bit more kind of old school video game music, something that would also work with just a rhythm section or eight. That's another reason sounds. why it sounds Nintendo 64, because mm-hmm. that type of. Uh, writing was very common where they just sort of applied the same school of composition from uh, 8 and 16-bit 
era of video game music and just applied it with slightly more modern sounds and not necessarily more modern voicing or proper orchestral writing. Well, now we're going to move on to another Nintendo DS game, and this is once again back into the Final Fantasy series. This is a game called Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light. Now let's take a listen to the main theme, and now this soundtrack, you're going to hear a little bit of it on this track, but mainly in the next one, features a really cool um, combination of old-school 8-bit chip sounds mixed with slightly more um, N64-era samples, I would say. And it's a really odd, quirky choice. Reminds me a little bit of what Yuzo Koshiro did in the Etrian Odyssey series, once again for the DS. So maybe around this time, that was just kind of a popular thing that composers were doing. Let's take a listen to the main theme. listening to the main theme of Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light and yeah this particular track featured a real trumpet uh, the only track in the soundtrack that has any real playing on it most of it is fake uh, but you were able to hear that combination here of the 8-bit sounds mixed with the orchestral samples kind of an interesting sound isn't it yeah I really like it I think um, there's something about an 8-bit square lead that is just so resonant in um, classic video game mixing it in this context I think is great and definitely shows sort of a reverence to not only old school game music but to the whole Final Fantasy series. And what's so cool is is it really was a complete package this game not only technically with the instruments did he go back but compositionally he really went back to the classic era of video game music incredibly melodic really catchy really imaginative so I was so glad that he made that choice or maybe someone um, on Square made that choice to really go back to an older era and it really pays off. Yeah, one thing I will say about that particular piece of music, I think the melody, in my opinion, a little bit rips off of the ending to The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, which if you remember goes in da 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 similar to that, Very simple. But also both of those do remind me to other pieces of music too, just other classical pieces like fanfares. Right. So yeah, that's that's a good point though. Well, we're going to move on to another piece from the soundtrack. This is called Horn the home of the wind day here we go
Man, that puts a smile on my face. This is Horn, the home of the wind, day. There's also a night version of this. Not only this track, but a lot of the tracks in this game have a day and a night version. Man, this is a lot of fun. It's so cool to get that change, all those different changes where it's like the 8-bit is taking the center stage, and then it'll turn into a mandolin, and then it'll turn into something else. It's really kind of this nice interplay between all the instruments. Right. Musically, sort of the wandering nature of the chord progression uh, does remind me of Final Fantasy music, but I just Mm -hmm. absolutely love this melody, and I love the way that he's voicing the chords with those sort of uh, chip sound, 8-bit. I love this chord here. And just how it comes back into the loop. You don't even realize that it's back to the beginning again. Yeah, it's interesting sounds. It's it's definitely not, you know, Famitracker, NES Reminds by Reminds me of means. Game Boy a little bit. There is sort of a triangle sound to it. Mm-hmm. And there are those square this sounds. This part's so beautiful. This reminds me of Joe Hisayashi a little bit. No, one thing that I will say about the sound of this is I'm also getting some Pokemon uh, influence in here as far as like the the, com- right. the compositional style like, this could totally fit at home in a Pokemon game for the definitely game Boy. yeah that's a good point well now we're gonna move on to a PC game and I believe this was one of those um, games those like find the objects games it's called Season of Mystery the Cherry Blossom Murders you know those games where you have we have a list of things you have to find and you have to click on them on the screen like find the hat find the snow globe and they're like hidden in the scene. So, you know, not an incredibly deep game, but for whatever reason has a fully orchestrated, really subtle and beautiful soundtrack. Uh, and this particular track is very, very soft and subtle, but very beautiful. Let's take a listen to in-game music. stuff this is in-game music from season of mystery the cherry blossom murders um not a very deep game i don't think it necessarily requires this kind of sophisticated music but uh this is this is great what what are your i know will you probably have some interesting thoughts on this 
Yeah, I mean, um, in general, I really like how uh, harmonically it's using some of the tropes of late 19th century and uh, into the well into the 20th century uh, as far as Western art music uh, tropes are concerned. It's using some of those uh, harmonic ideas that you heard a lot in 20th century music, but also it's a little bit more video gamey and digestible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear some of those more advanced diminished chords, such as the minor, major, seventh, mm-hmm. which some people regard as uh, being popularized by Bernard Herrmann. Um, but in general, this uh, has a very, very interesting uh, harmonic language that it's using because there is sort of that, I guess... Uh, Carl kind of described it as that J-pop influence as far as, you know, you have that kind of chromatically descending, mm-hmm. uh, you know, minor seventh, major seventh But so chords. beautiful. That sounds kind of something like that, something like Koji Kondo I know it's use. something that you've used in even your choral music before. Right. Um, one thing that is so surprising is the game that this comes from. I just, I can't get over how weird this is that this game has this beautiful, uh, subtle music. Uh, I know for a fact that most people have probably never heard of this game um it's probably just you know a game for people who just like those hidden objects it's not you know a hardcore game by any means well and it's uh it's going out of its way to uh utilize uh, the various orchestral samples in the most authentic way possible Mm -hmm. because obviously uh these samples have a limited fidelity in a limited range where they can really sound authentic and what i think is great is it starts off with just sustained strings which is what these samples can really do best that the best, and yeah. then also staccato samples. So you had a mallet percussion, dun, 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 dun. and then a very staccato flute is one of the best things to sample too. Right, but you had a very staccato flute, the bup, mm-hmm. bup, 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 which sounded realistic with such short attack without having to have those sort of crossfades in a more legato sound. Mm-hmm. It could sound a little bit more authentic, and then they had that various percussion, like that rain stick kind of Very thing. well sequenced, definitely. Yeah. Impressive stuff. Let's move on to Final Fantasy Dimensions. Now, this was a game that actually came out for mobile platforms for... Um, this came out for like iPhone, iPad, uh, I believe most likely Android, things like that. I don't know how successful it was, but uh, cross-platform mobile game here. Let's take a listen to a couple tracks. We're going to start things off with a track called The Wind Blows Over My Hometown.
it's so interesting that now we're getting so deep into the world of um, Naoshi Mitsuda's modern Final Fantasy music that it feels like we're losing some of the classic things that we loved about Naoshi Mitsuda because he's really becoming this chameleon, like you mentioned. And so far, it's been a long time to, in today's playlist that I've heard any um, really kind of unique compositional elements. I really feel like he's losing himself in this series and doing a great job. Very melodic, imaginative music, and in my opinion, better than a lot of the other modern Final Fantasy composers. But it's nothing that really sounds like Naoshi Mitsuda to me, other than the fact that it's really high quality and well done. I don't know. What do you think? And I think what uh, you describe as Naoshi Mitsuda is just sort of... Uh, One facet of him. Well, it's just a, a style that he adopted in his early game music. Mm-hmm. I guess I, it's hard to really encapsulate someone's entire prowess and all of their knowledge and capability in one sort of style because I think most oh, composers are diverse enough. Most quality composers are diverse enough to sort of do what a soundtrack requires. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's definitely an example of that. So it's hard for me to really know what it is that he personally responds to. I know that he's great at making that jazzy stuff, but he's also great at music like this. Mm-hmm. So Oh, absolutely. I, I, no. I'd be interested to see what uh, if he were just left to his own devices, what type of music he would personally be interested in composing. Well, I think we're going to get a glimmer of that in a couple tracks here. I'm really looking forward to a a couple tracks coming up here. We're going to play one more track from Final Fantasy Dimensions. This is a track called The Sword That Emits Light. classic Final Fantasy battle if I've ever heard one. This is the sword that emits light, a battle theme from Final Fantasy Dimensions, really paying tribute to the original battle music composed by Nobuo Uematsu, and even starts off the exact same way. Pretty much this first measure is almost exactly the same as the original battle music. Very well done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now I'm very excited. We're going to move on to one of the strongest soundtracks that Naoshi Mitsuda has done in the Final Fantasy universe. I'm really excited to move on to this. This is Final Fantasy 13-2. It's really goofy, all the, the names and the various sequels uh, of this series. It gets so confusing. So this is a sequel to Final Fantasy 13, but it's not 14. It's 13-2. Naoshi Mitsuda was uh, heavily involved as a composer, composing some of the best music of this soundtrack. We're going to play three tracks from this. Let's start things off with a really nice rocking song that features great violin playing. This is Full Speed Ahead.
Yes, this really makes me smile. This is Full Speed Ahead from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and it's the first time in quite a while today where you're going back to some of those old-school jazzy things that makes Niyoshi Mitsuda's music so enjoyable for me, some of those chord changes, and in generally the really slow, long, sustained, melodic style of this piece over those jazz chord changes really sound like something like Rockman and Forte. It's just, I love it so much. Right. And it's fun to think that this is probably Naoshi Mitsuda playing bass on this track. Yeah, that is a very cool thought. One thing that really surprises me, uh, the production, uh, that mm. solo violin, there's absolutely no reverb added to it. It's as very dry close. as dry could be, and um, you good. really hear the sound of that room, which is kind of nice. It gives this a little bit more of a performance, more intimate uh, it's obvious that it's real, isn't it? Yeah, it's much more real because you can sort of hear each one of the instruments, and that's something mm-hmm. that really makes it feel like it was just each instrument was recorded, and it just sounds like yeah. humans playing music, not, you know, you don't hear all these crazy effects going right. on to sort of mask everything and blend it into this giant... And in general, for stuff. rock, whenever you feature violin and rock, it is going to be pretty dry. Everything's pretty dry. Drums are going to be fairly dry. You're not going to have a lot of added reverb um, as much as you would as like a big hall sound from an orchestral piece. So that's really nice to get that contrast here. Now, this is another track that I'm really excited for. And when Will said earlier that I wonder what Naoshi would do if he was left to his own devices, it's possible it might be something like this. This is a really nice throwback to old school 80s music, something like Michael Jackson. It's very goofy, uh, going for a very specific sound, but he really nails it. It almost kind of sounds like 80s sitcom theme music. Let's take a listen to Serendipity from Final Fantasy 13 2. is a pretty groovy piece there very 80s that just screams 80s it's nice you get that uh pretty cheesy soprano sax doubled with flute but really nice synth sounds i don't know where he got these 80s synth sounds but does he ever nail this i feel like i'm watching the cosby show or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're so right carl um and that he's capturing all of those cliches of 80s music not just the sort of jazzier cliches like that soprano sax Mm -hmm. Or the alto um, here. Yeah, the alto sax, uh, doubling with that flute, but all those synth instruments, especially that synth bass, is yeah. just so on the nose. And that drum sound um, really reminds me of something like from like Jam by Absolutely. Michael Jackson. Absolutely, the new Jack and... swing sound, very, very hard-hitting, almost sounds like glass or metal being hit really hard. Yeah, the very hollow kind, kind of, of industrial sound. sound. Yeah, no, it's, it's just so great. It's so obvious that this was a throwback and that this is kind of a comedic piece of music in the game and I just it's really enjoyable to listen to because I, I get the sense this is just him doing what he what he likes to do so we're going to play one last track from Final Fantasy 13 2 and hey what do you know it happens to be this week's track of the week 
This is a really beautiful piece called Song of the Farseers. Now, there's a different version of this song that features actual lyrics, but this version, the singer is just singing laws, and there's something even more beautiful and universal about this. This was composed by Naoshi Mitsuda. Let's take a listen to Song of the Farseers. simple but very very beautiful this is the track of the week this week from final fantasy 13 2 this is called song of the farseers i love that pure tone that the singer is giving a lot of emotion in this piece what is what does this piece make you feel will i don't know it's really it's really pretty and subtle you know i think if you would have told me uh, this on paper uh, that it just features you know a female vocalist simply using the sounds la and la for the entire song I might be a little bit apprehensive but uh, it's executed in such a nice little powerful way again there's some very nice adult jazz chords mm-hmm. in this piece but mixed with such a simple like lullaby-esque melody that's what i really loved about this piece that's what i thought was so effective about it is that the melody is something that a child could sing but underneath it you have these really advanced behind the scenes chords happening and it's something that i just think is a really nice little 
showcase of Naoshi Mitsuda as a composer, it's it's able to incorporate the, the jazz elements that I love so much about him, but it's also able to fit at home in the Final Fantasy series. So that's probably the reason why we chose this as track of the week, not saying it's the best song by any means that he composed, but it's just kind of a fitting um, summary of his work. Yeah, it almost sounds sort of like a twisted innocence. Yes. Because um, you have nice the juxtaposition of that uh, very childlike melody and a childlike way of singing it. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like humming a little tune to yourself, but over these very, you know, dark, uh, romantic kind of chords mm-hmm. in very emotional stuff. Oh, yeah, it just tugs at your heartstrings here. So now we have a couple more tracks to talk about today. This is from Lightning Returns. Let's take a listen to The Savior. <laughs> This is The Savior from Lightning Returns, composed by Naoshi Mitsuda. And it took a long time, but you actually got some really nice real violin playing near the end there. Really nice to hear this kind of modern Naoshi Mitsuda compositional style, but featuring some synth sounds. It's, it's again, that nice mixture. Now you're getting some shredding electric guitar sounds here. Just, yeah, very nice, quirky, lush, diverse mixture of instruments, influences, um, production techniques that he's using and very in, very effective use of panning too i love the use of that electronic loose hi-hat mixed with that um offbeat synth sound is really effective yeah all the percussion that's happening here with that sort of like cowbell is also is just fantastic <laughs> yeah that's a good it's a very good choice yeah very interesting piece of music i'm glad we got to include this for today's playlist yeah so. one thing i love about neo shimitsuda is he always uh you can tell he always takes a lot of time and care into choosing sounds, into creating a musical landscape for every one of his soundtracks. Uh, definitely has a very distinct sound, not just as far as the music, but as far as the instruments he chooses, the production. Everything about it just feels very customized and personal for mm-hmm. that particular project. Very good point, Will. I'm glad you glad you mentioned that. 
Last track of the day here, folks. This is for that recent addition, that expansion to Final Fantasy XI, but it came out in 2013. This is called Seekers of Adulin. Let's take a listen to a really nice, playful way to end today's episode. This is The Pioneers, composed by Naoshi Masuda. so much for joining us today for our episode showcasing the music of Naoshi Mitsuda. We had a great time sharing this music with you guys, and hopefully you got a glimpse into some music that you probably haven't heard before, as well as maybe some classics that you're familiar with. And it's really cool to hear all of his music back-to-back chronologically. It's really nice to hear the evolution of him as a composer and what he's able to do to fit into certain series, most notably Final Fantasy. Uh, So hopefully if you guys were a fan of the Final Fantasy series, you enjoyed how many tracks we were able to play from that series today. Yeah, for me personally, I really enjoyed doing this episode because I think Naoshi Mitsuda has always been a composer that I really respected and have liked a lot of his soundtracks, but I guess I've never really uh, taken a lot of time to learn much about him. So I felt like Mm -hmm. this was a very good episode where I learned a lot and I felt like I was sort of revealed to a lot of soundtracks that I didn't know that he worked on and a lot of types of music that I had no idea that he dabbled in. So that was very fun. Yeah, and the track we're going to play out with is a nice old-school, quintessential Naoshi Mitsuda piece, so it's fitting to play out with that. Thanks so much, guys. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, you guys. Peace out. (laughs) 